Stairs rips one into the night. Deep into right. Boost to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. Welcome back, everybody, to another wonderful episode of Talking 215. As always, join with me, Joey K. Joey, how are we doing today, brother? Jacob, Elliot, how are you, sir? Oh, good. I'm good. Not quite as good as, as my boy, you know, Jake Elliott. I know. <laughs> no, I figured I'd that miss. <laughs> even though that miss, he's still, he's still a man. He gets a lot of crap in this city. Still top five kicker NFL. I'll, I'll die on that hill. Absolutely. I'll die on that. Hey, we don't win a Super Bowl without him. I'm convinced. Yeah, you're right. I'm convinced that 61-yarder, that, that spurred the whole thing. And then, shoo, that 48-yarder to give him that eight-point lead, sealed it. Love it. Sealed it. Oh, yeah. But, man, City's giving us plenty of content. I'll tell you what. They are just feeding us plenty of things to talk about. Flyers, goal-scoring machines. Sixers, Ben who, winning by 20. Against the, I, I mean, I, I get the Pelicans were out without their best player, but whatever. And then uh, Eagles always just give you plenty of content. But why don't we just dive right into some Sixers talk here? Here they come. One, two, three, four, five Sixers. I'll tell you before I get into that, I was at a wedding last week or like a week and a half ago. Bride and groom come down the stairs. It was like this cool little terrace thing they came down from. Come down to the stairs. You know, you know what song they came down to. Was it the Sixers winning? Clap your hands, Love it. everybody, Love it. for Philadelphia 76ers. Also, fun thing for you, the guy that wrote that song and uh, had the band that performed it coming on the podcast in a couple weeks. Beautiful. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Life oh, comes yeah. full circle. I love it. I'll tell you. But another thing I'll tell you is tied for the leading score on the Sixers last night. And their great 117-97 win on the Pelicans is our man, Cork on Corkmaz. I love me some cork. I love oh, me yeah. some cork. Just because, I mean, I've I don't want to say never, but it's very J.R. Smith like to where you know your role, but you're still gonna let the league know that you need a heat check. Like yeah. I made a couple, I made a couple threes in the in a row. I don't care. My name's not Steph Curry. It's not Reggie Miller. It's not Michael Jordan. It's Furkan And I'm going to pull it from half court if I want to on this last <laughs> break. My boy last night was feeling himself so much, and rightfully so. He was he was hot. He was on 18, a fast break. 18 of his 22 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> My man tried to dunk from three-point land on a fast <laughs> break and just dunk on the entire city of New Orleans. I, it was – it was and he beautiful. was right there. He was right there from doing it too. And you know what? That is a that is nothing but confidence. There's oh, there's yeah. swagger associated with it, but that is confidence. When a guy's hot, especially in a sport like basketball, you give him the ball and you get out of the way. Yeah. And to see these guys like Korkmaz, to see um, you know, Maxi, to see guys like even Yang stepping up and hitting threes. Yeah. 
you're looking at this he whole went three for four from beyond the arc. I'm loving it. You're looking at this whole, okay, Ben's not here. I don't care. We have the jerseys on tonight, guys. We are the ones that are showing up. We are the ones that are practicing. We are the ones that are working hard, rallying around each other, having that us against the world mentality. We don't need them. And just you saw how they played well. Granted, it's one game. It's against New Orleans. Yeah. But early sample, small sample size, you got to love what you see. No, you really do. Incredible first quarter from Joel. At one point, it looked like he was – on, a, on an incredible like triple double pace he had 10 points something like five rebounds or three rebounds and five assists i think early on it obviously cooled off in there didn't get another assist the rest of the game and really cooled off the rest the entire rest of the game and all the stat stat groups he uh he seemed to kind of be clanking it off iron after that hot first quarter but when you have people heating up like you said you give them the ball you don't go trying to take the ball away from somebody that's just making quite literally everything. I understand that didn't really happen until the fourth, but there are other stretches where I, I know a number of times they went on like 17 to five, 17 to seven runs where there was, there are people that you just give the ball to and you don't take it out of his hands. Absolutely. And, you know, it was really nice that the starters didn't really have to play much of the fourth quarter, if at all. I know Joe didn't play the entire fourth quarter because he didn't have to. Um, I don't think Toby did either, but I'm not quite sure, but you look at the contribution that we got from our bench and our backups and our role players. And that is something that has been hurting the Sixers team, especially come playoff time. The last couple of years is when we go to that second unit, when we have to get deep into the playoffs, the other team's second unit goes on like a 10 2 run and completely shifts the momentum. We oh, saw that yeah. in the Hawks. We saw that in the Hawks series. Yeah. Where you're, you're wheeling out a five man bench unit, like a whole second team out there. And there was no flow. There was no continuity. And last night you saw that. So, again, small sample size. But, I mean, Jake, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the gigantic elephant in the room when it comes to the Sixers. Um, I kind of want to – 17 rebounds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> Guy's a wizard out there. I, I want to see what your whole take on this is, man. I, I'm pretty sure everybody that's a Philly fan is kind of on the same side of this, which is rare when it comes to – any type of drama within your favorite team. But where do you see on this whole Ben saga, man? And, and what are your thoughts about what's been going on lately, especially today? I, well, the poll the poll that we posted on our Twitter, the leading answer, it was correct. I posted out there almost a week ago today, what injury is Ben Simmons going to fake to get out of playing? Or what part of the body is Ben Simmons going to claim is, and I put in quotation, injured, to get out of playing basketball and with 60% of the votes back one and reports come out today that he is suffering from some back tightness. Uh, he received some treatment for that. They said it was just a, a, a short treatment. Medical staff cleared him and he said, no, no, I, I'm not feeling it. And he left the facility without participating in the drills and workout that he uh, was scheduled to participate in. You're now seeing a lot of conflicting reports. Some saying that he will be, at the Wells Fargo participating in a shoot around early, not like the, the pregame shoot around, but he's going to arrive there early, participate in a shoot around to really determine what's going to be the outcome of the game. You're also seeing other reports saying that he is in, he is out indefinitely uh, with mentally not being uh, fully prepared to get back to regular season play. And also with this uh, quote unquote back tightness that he's suffering from. I obviously think it's all BS. Anybody that's really been following it could see it coming from a mile away. You knew there was going to be some kind of injury coming just so that 
he could still be there and still collect his paycheck, but not have to actually show up and do anything. And it's the easiest way for him to do it. And he chose two of the two of the easier things that you can't really argue against. I mean, mental health obviously is something that's extremely important. I don't really know if that falls into that category. It more seems like he's just not checked in. Uh, I would say more than have you know having severe anxiety is just more mentally checked out and then back tightness i mean you can have any x-ray any you know cat scan whatever show ultrasound show you nothing but you can still have back pain or you can not and say that you do which is probably the situation here so he shows two things that it's going to be hard for the sixers to argue to be able to to not pay him but i'm just going to let hand it over to you because this could get even more long-winded yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go good cop bad cop here because you you handled that very you handled that very eloquently and beautifully. Um, oh, as, give me yeah, give great, me five minutes and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna snap. Yeah, as a great host would, you handled that beautifully. But <laughs> I'm gonna be I, I, I'm coming from the bar eight beers deep, figuratively speaking, and you're stopping me on the street with a microphone asking me about Ben Simmons. I'm gonna oh, say so literally that. speaking, you're like six deep though, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna say this: the back issue, BS. All right. Tell me one person in your tell me one person in your life, whether they're athletic or not, that has never had a stiff, sore, or aching back at some point or another. Can't Everyone does. It doesn't matter. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I've been sitting in my office chair too much. I, I do a job that's physically demanding. I had to, I had to carry the baby the whole time. I had to do yard work. Yeah, turn Whatever the wrong way. Anything. Our, our backs aren't meant to support our bodies. They're going to hurt from time to time. <laughs> but like you said, that's such a cop out from him. And the other thing that I see floating around on social media is like, well, we need to go easy on Ben because they said it's a mental health issue. No, 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 no. It's not a mental health issue. A lot of people saw the word mental and they use that to associate it with mental health. And let me preface this by saying I am 100 percent behind anybody that has mental health issues than that needs mental health issues. We don't joke about that. We take that very seriously. But like you alluded he is mentally checked out. Yeah. Okay, guys, we've all been in you know a relationship with our significant other where we're mentally checked out. We don't want to do it anymore. Or we work for a job where we're mentally checked out. I can't see another damn email at this point or listen to this person <laughs> talk. I'm mentally checked out. That's not the same thing as mental health issues, guys. So Ben not being mentally there just means he doesn't want to be there and participate. That's all that means, guys. And the back issue, the doctors cleared him. They said, yeah, yeah, you're a little sore. You could shoot the basketball here and shoot around and go through an individual. Oh, reports are he had like a couple minutes of treatment. It wasn't. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So I am 150% done with him. I think Jason Kelsey said it so good today. Oh, that, yeah. Look, you cannot use the fans as your excuse anymore because all we want you to do is hustle, show up, and play hard and try your best. That is it. So if Ben went out there and shot 0 for 18 from three – but we saw him hustling, doing everything, still trying to shoot threes, shooting open jumpers. We'd be like, all right, my man's putting in the work. He's trying hard. He's contributing in other ways. He's still getting triple doubles, getting people involved, playing great defense, great court vision. We would say that. But when you've refused since high school, since college, since the pros to work on your craft and you want to blame <laughs> others for pointing that out, no, nah, I don't think so. Now, and to, to kind of quote some of the, the things that Jason Kelsey said, I mean, one of the, the most popular ones that you're seeing shared around on social media is he's saying uh, everyone can <laughs> and complain about how tough this city is to play in, 
just play better, man. The city will love you. Like you alluded to it before we even started recording. He's talking like he's just a fan of the Sixers and just talking to a buddy at the bar, just like, man, this this moron. Like all he has to do is just say, you know what? I recognize my shortcomings. I'm working on them. I'm going to make you guys proud. And you show the effort. We've talked about it so many different times with Bryce Harper and how even when he's struggling, the guy's leaving it 100% out on the field. And, and aside from a few morons out there, the city still loves him. Like you got people complaining about his contract, but the guy has 100% heart. You, you see it time and time again, even if the player isn't amazing. I mean, who? TJ McConnell, not an all-star, never really will be an all-star. But the guy played with so much heart and so much grit and so much passion, everybody loved him. And people hated to see him go. I would still love him to come back. And that's all he's saying. He's like, look, man, recognize your shortcomings, recognize your faults, admit to them, stop blaming other people, work on it. And regardless of results or not, go out there, fire up some elbow jumpers, fire up some threes, show that you're willing to do it. And the city will say, you know what? Maybe he just doesn't have it, but you can't say it's from a lack of trying. Amen. Amen. And you know what, Jake, I talk about all the time about stuff that I see on Twitter that drives me crazy. And one of the things I said was I saw was somebody tweeted out. It always blows my mind when people side with billion dollar owners over the players. That's so wild to me. And my whole thing is, is like, hold on a second. This isn't a power struggle between the owner and a player. Because correct me if I'm wrong, the owner gave Ben Simmons a max contract mm-hmm. that few people in the NBA get, okay? And we want to talk about, we see this on ESPN and these other uh, syndications, is, is this a Ben Simmons issue or a Sixers issue? Who's more to blame? I'll tell you who's more to blame. It's Ben Simmons because of these things, guys. Do you remember when uh, Ben Simmons wouldn't respond to Brett Brown's coaching? So we got rid of Brett Brown? <laughs> he publicly you, said, I'm, I'm requesting one three-pointer per game. That's I don't it. think you, I don't not think you won the rest no. of the season. Not to make, just to shoot. Not to make, just to shoot. We got rid of Brett Brown. Do you remember when Ben Simmons couldn't get along with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler was a ball-dominant player and Ben Simmons is a ball-dominant player that can't play off the ball because he refuses to work on a spot-up jumper? Oh, so and he, I'm sure he and I'm sure he was on him in practice too with his practice habits. I'm sure so he was we, the one saying like, "Hey, you saw what you struggled with, let's get working on it." And I'm sure he loved that. Yeah, accountability. So we got rid of Brett Brown. We got rid of Jimmy Butler. And then we gave him a max contract. We said, Ben, we're going to get you shooters. Here's Seth Curry. Here's J.J. Redick. Here's um, Furkan Korkmaz, who re-signed with the team. We're going to get you these guys that are around you that are spot-up shooters. Oh, yeah, we also have the perennial MVP and Joel Embiid there for you as well to be a rim protector, to be a rebounder, to be a scorer, to take the pressure off of you. So all these things we did based on what you want. And now we have to talk about, is this a Sixers issue? Are you kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? What else could be done to coddle a player more besides firing a coach, getting rid of one of your best all-star players in Jimmy Butler, paying you one of the top salaries in the entire association, and all that isn't good enough for you. So you tell me who the problem falls within. No, I'm a humble brag here. You can talk to even like our boy Column over at Brit's Guide to the NFL. You can talk to a lot of people. I've been a certified Ben hater long before this season, like this previous season. I, I just didn't like the guy, didn't like his refusal to do anything. And you can check records. Like that is 
documented. And no, I mean, you, you said it 100% correct. I saw one tweet also where uh, somebody in his camp was saying that they feel like he only, they only made half-assed commitments to him. No, everything you listed sounds pretty whole-ass to me. Like $38 million, that sounds like a lot of ass. Whole ass, huh? <laughs> that's, that's two cheeks, man. That's two full cheeks, thick cheeks. Like, that I... seems... <laughs> That's all I'm saying, man. Like, they did so much for you, and you're going to come out and do this? Like, get the hell out of our city, man. Like, get out. I I don't care what for. Like, match salaries, do whatever. Get out. Get out. Like, yeah, I would love Damian Lillard. Yeah, I would love Bradley Beal. It's not happening. It's not. Damian Lillard's not leaving. Bradley Beal has been actually pretty adamant himself putting, you know, tweets or, or statements or anything saying he's not leaving who knows why i don't know why you'd want to be a wizard but it's not happening like get john wall sure he's old he's still got s- something but even if he doesn't he's still a better compliment to this team than ben is get cj mccollum get whoever i heard people calling in like oh do you think you know the the hornets would do lamello for him i'm like not a chance they wouldn't they wouldn't even sniff at that offer not at all. Not at all. Why would they trade a, a young guy who's not making a max contract who's better than Ben Simmons right Oh, yeah. Now? They were like LaMelo in, in another piece to match contracts. I'm like, another piece? I was like, we would be throwing in the more. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, like people are being so unrealistic, still throwing out these wacky trades, thinking that if it doesn't have Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal in it, that it's going to work. They're like, oh, those are pretty much the only two. Like that, that are that have trade, you know, rumors around him. Anybody else, I'm sure we could get it done. No, you can't. Like, you couldn't get Brandon Ingram for him. You couldn't get Buddy Healed for him. You can't get any of these guys that a year ago you'd be like, yeah, we can get Brandon Ingram and something for him. That's gone. Ship sailed, left port, three hour tour, never to be seen from again. It's on Gilligan's Island. And these GMs aren't dumb. They see no. that they see that Ben Simmons isn't showing up. He's not playing. He's sitting on the bench. He's faking injuries. He's a distraction to the team. They know it's a matter of time. So why would you want to give away your biggest assets when you could probably have them for pennies on the dollar? You know, by the time the fly, the Sixers cave. But Daryl Morey did come on the radio today and say, "Hey, we'll wait this out as long as we need to. We're not taking mm-hmm. anything less than than a, a huge offer." So I do understand that that's semantics. And he, Look, I get what he's doing. Game. He's trying to wait to December. He has to play the game, though. He has to. He has to say that. He has to say he wants Ben here. He has to do all that because anything you say to the contrary just diminishes that trade value even more. So I get the cat and mouse game, um, but I love the fact that the Sixers are also playing hardball and be like, "Hey, you could rot on the bench for all we care. That's mm-hmm. on you." I don't even think he'll be on the bench. No, you could. I, rot I'll put a poll somewhere. out. I don't think he will return to the Wells Fargo Center on a game day as a member of the Sixers for the rest of his life. I mean, I don't see – knowing the Sixers fan base, knowing Philly fans in general, how could he? Do you oh, know I would, what those chants are going to be like? Do you know what I those signs are going to be like? Oh, I'd love for him to be there and have the PA announcer, you know, do all the announcements, you know, Joel, the process, Embiid, and, the big, and starting point guard, Benson. Jake, they talked about last night during the Flyers game when we were playing Boston how this is Boston's only their second game in like the last six days or something like that. And they said, yeah, you can practice all you want, but there's nothing like that game environment that gets you into the season. They've had mm-hmm. such a huge layoff from their first game. And then I think it was Jonesy and the other announcers were like, 
yeah, that's a lot of practice time. That's something Ben Simmons wouldn't like. It's like so even <laughs> NHL announcers were making comments about Ben Simmons' practice habits and how it was a joke. So um, it was just funny to see like during the Flyers game them even comment on that crossover was. No, and, and we're going to get into the Flyers here in a minute, but it, it's hilarious. You're seeing everybody. You saw CeCe Sabathia on his podcast yesterday go on a long rant, cussing him out, talking about how he's a clown. Like, you're getting everybody that has any kind of outlet that is willing to say anything about sports. Talk to him. It's funny. Like, Angelo and the morning crew this morning, we're talking like they'll they'll bump into people that really don't even follow sports. They're just like, oh, this Ben Simmons stuff's crazy, though, huh? Like, and people that aren't trying to fake it, like people that truly like don't give a darn about sports, even they are getting drawn into it because it's just turning it's turned into a reality TV show at this point. And you know, Jake, being in the podcast industry, we know a lot about advertising. We know a lot about marketing. Mm-hmm. We know a lot about you know pumping a brand and making. We pretty it much know a lot about everything. I mean, we're pretty. I much mean, we're, we that's why yeah. people tune in. That's why people are listening. But I can't think of a worse brand killing marketing than rich paul and clutch sports for how they've t- told oh, ben Simmons yeah. to handle this situation and how they've tried to act like they're the victim in this situation if you're a young player a free agent to be somebody coming into the draft you name it why on earth would you sign with clutch sports or rich paul seeing this is how they handle one of their top athletes I, it's brutal it's terrible and I'm loving the fact that this is all blowing up in their face as well. Indirectly. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's the perfect it's the perfect agency for him. You know? Yeah. They're, they're, all, they're all prima donnas. They're all egotistical. They're all narcissistic. You know, we run into people all the time. It's, you know, what what now? What next? Seems to be Absolutely. something that seems to be something that's been coming up a lot over the over the recent future. Just people in your life that always have you thinking, really? What is it now? What's the excuse today? I can think of I can think of a couple people, man, that are like that. Where there's always something, you know, like there's always some excuse, but, yeah. and it's always and it's never their fault, you know. No, no, absolutely not. So yeah, it, it, it falls in line with that. What what you're saying there, it, it definitely does. We all know some people in our lives that are like that. Yeah, and speaking of that, why don't we talk a little Flyers here? You know, a little Flyers hockey. Let's do it. Oh, I love it, Flyers, man. The one you can't say they're boring. You can't, they've had maybe one and a half bad periods. Jake, that's the one thing that I can take away from this is, you know, watching Flyers games the last few years was like watching Phillies games. I'm like, yeah, we're talented, but I know like my stomach's going to be hurting by the end of this, or I know my tweets are going to be really angry or just something is going to happen. And this year so far, again, small sample size. Is it fun? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Like, even if you don't like hockey, don't know anything about hockey, the style, the, the the pace of play, the aggression, just the – it's almost like everybody being – it's like the anti-Ben like ben Simmons situation. Everyone <laughs> is bought in and everybody is full board. You know, from, from the fighting to the, oh the breakaways, goodness. the offense, the defensive intensity, the forecheck, you name yeah, it. Sticking up for each other, everything. Oh, my God. And No, the boys uh, are buzzing. And your twin has just brought like a, a whole other spark to this team that, I mean, you're seeing smarter play. You really you're are. seeing more aggressive play. It's a perfect blend of aggressive hockey, but with smart hockey. And I'm loving to see that. No, 100%. I, 
I missed the opening game of the season. I was at QB1's homecoming game. Shout out QB1, go Brandon Bulldogs. Big matchup uh, tomorrow. Going to be out there live tweeting it. But I was watching I was watching the, the Kraken game, the Kraken Flyers game. And I was watching it with, with Gabster, with my girlfriend. And she was asking, like, you know, like, what is a typical, like, hockey final score and all? And I was, like, thinking about it. It's, like, probably somewhere in, like, the 3-2, to 3-1 to one range. Like, that's probably the a typical, typical, you know, final score. And in that period, they put up, what, five goals? <laughs> it was unreal. And she was just like, I thought you said, like, typically. And I was like, yeah, typically it is. I was like, typically, especially the Flyers, we're not putting up, you know, touchdown numbers and missing the PAT. But aside from one bad period and then a few little instances here and there where the opposing team got some momentum, the boys are buzzing. Tape to tape passes. The puck movement has been incredible. I'm still in mid-season form yelling, shoot the puck. Mid-season <laughs> form. I'm in my prime right now at yelling, shoot the puck. There's a few instances where you're like, man, that is some crisp passing. Let's put something on net. But I can't even be mad when they're averaging five stinking goals a game. And I'll tell you what. I was in the middle of sending out a mean tweet to the Flyers. Not to the Flyers, but about it. You know, I was watching the game. And I was going to make a sarcastic jab about the power play again. Saying, you know, Pico should not be sponsoring this power (laughs) play. Because I feel like we haven't scored on a power play in 17 years. It just feels that way. And right as I'm about to hit send, I look up. And I hear the horn go off. Yeah. Score power play goal. I'm like, all right, let me backtrack this thing. A little bit. <laughs> so, as much as we're sitting here talking about things changing, and we know historically in the playoffs, the Flyers' power play has been non-existent. It's been the same formation of standing around, hoping something happens, banging at the neck, and hope something goes in. But like you said, the tape-to-tape passing, the crisp passing, the movement, just the – there's not a lot of standing around. It's just everybody's buzzing, like you said. And and the young Beezer, Joel Fairbeat, like I, I, I cannot say anything more positive about the, the team with six points, three goals, three apples. He's everywhere. I know there's line changes, but I feel like he's not come off the ice one time. <laughs> like it's insane. Or whenever we score, he happens to be. So, I mean, yeah, you're seeing a different look from this year's Flyers that is fun. I don't know how far we're going to go, what we're going to do, if we're going to be a you know contender in the playoffs. But man, if we keep this pace of play up, we're going to be we're going to be a nightmare for some teams. Oh yeah, I mean, let's just look at some of the new additions and how they're doing on the team. Cam Atkinson, three games, four points, three goals and an assist. Derek Broussard, three games, five points, a goal and four apples. Uh, let's go down to Ryan Ellis, one goal, three assists, four points. Uh, Martin Jones. Obviously had a pretty good game. He was facing a ton of shots. I think he faced 41 shots or 40 shots, made 37 saves. That's a pretty good outing for a backup tendy, especially against a Bruins team who dominated us last year. Uh, then we're going down. I know Rissa Line and he only played the one game. He was buzzing out there pretty good. Uh, Sealer, he's he's still buzzing. Nate Thompson, nasty fight, but I know he wasn't a, a new guy. But then you go down to old Captain Keith Yandel. I know he's not rocking the seat here, but it's a little – little nickname for the sonk man himself, five apples. Guy's just dishing the apples out like he's thinking Johnny Appleseed out there, just planting trees all over the ice. And you know what? Last night, it was three to three going into the third period. Yeah. Three to three. And I thought to myself, man, the this, scary is place the most, big. this is the most typical Bruins Flyers game. Like we get an early lead. I'm feeling a little bit. Of, I'm feeling a little good. The wife went to sleep. I'm like, okay. 
I'm going to stay out here, but I'm probably going to be angry because we know there's going to be a stupid penalty. Bruins are going to score on a power play, and then we won't be able to get the puck out of our zone another time, and then you know they're going to score off a rebound. It's just typical Bruins flyers, but then I saw them put their foot on the gas, and I yeah. was like, oh, my gosh. When we had that, I think it was Farabee to Atkinson on the goal to put us up four to three. Uh, the Bruins had like an odd man rush, and Farabee just read the pass beautifully. And yep. we went back the other way on another odd man rush, and beautiful pass. To, and I was just like thinking to myself, this isn't your normal Bruins Flyers game. It's no. not. What am I watching? No. But in a good way. So, like you said, everybody's buzzing, it's new energy. Granted, I want to see how we take this show on the road. Oh, without a doubt. We know we can play well at home, you know, in front of the, the, the home crowd. So let's keep this momentum going. It looks good early. No, certainly. And Carter Hart, through two games, had has only had one bad period, had a, a early potential save of the year candidate that possibly turned that whole game around. I mean, I know we ended up winning 6-1, to one, but who knows what happens if they net that puck early. Our momentum quickly came right after that big save. So oh yeah, that, that could have been a, a whole a whole momentum changer for that entire game, and then you have no idea what they're doing heading into the Bruins game. But still showing a little bit of weakness on the glove side. Uh, overall, playing pretty admirably. It's a short sample size. Obviously, we're hoping that he has a bounce back year from, from last year. It's a shame he was rebounding pretty well towards the end of the last season before he went out with injury. So hoping that he's got his stuff back. But again, he's still, what, 23 years old. He's already got 50 wins. He's the youngest goaltender in Flyers history to reach that mark. So guy's got already got a pretty good pedigree. Looking forward to have him carrying that, hopefully through the rest of the season. And really, something we desperately need in Philadelphia is a long-term goalie. Hopefully, we got we got that. We got the new Lundqvist in, in Philly here, just uh, locking down the net for you know over a decade. That'd be nice. That guy's giving us nightmares too. So if we can, if he can come close to that, let's go. Yeah, no kidding. But before we get into hockey, I know just want to talk. Next game looks like they're going to be playing uh, the Panthers on Saturday, uh, and then they they head on the road. So Panthers right now they're undefeated. So obviously facing a hot team, but you're also seeing a Sabres team that's undefeated, and they're not very good either. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully we can carry this point streak into the road trip right now, obviously five points through three games. So boys are buzzing, hoping to keep that momentum going all the way on the road, bring it on back home. And let's just, let's just take first in the Metro. Why not? You know, why not us bring it to broad? Let's go. Hashtag. Oh, exactly. I know. I was, I was looking like a fool early in or like end of the the preseason, still using a anytime, anywhere hashtag. Like, oh, you moron. (laughs) Using the old one. Exactly. I got I got to stay hip, man. These these kids they'll, they'll sneak up on you. These young kids and their hashtags. I'll tell you, young bees are I don't know. <laughs> so big game coming up. Game that a lot of Eagles fans had circled on their calendar right when the schedule dropped as like showing that it was gonna be an away game as a potential hit the town or hit the road and let's hit this game up. Uh Eagles heading to Vegas playing the Raiders. I think it's going to be a pretty pretty well packed Eagles Eagles stadium. I, I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be, they're going to be outnumbered by the home team there, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see in the ten fifteen thousand range pushing, maybe even like twenty thousand Birds fans, probably closer to like that ten to fifteen. But you're going to hear them out there if they get out to a, a hot start. You might hear some 
you know, some F Ben Simmons cheers pretty early over there in Las Vegas. Yeah, I have. Uh, I actually know a few people that are going out to their Eagles fans for the game. Uh, I know Eagles fans travel well. I know that's kind of a, you know, when Eagles fans saw the schedule coming out, that's probably one of the destination away games that they circled mm-hmm. to go to consensus because obviously it's Vegas and new stadium indoors, beautiful sight to see. Um, shout out to my boy, Alberto. Um, he's having his bachelor party out there and he's going to the Eagles game. There you um, go, Alberto. So, Congratulations, bud. Yep. So I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping he brings us back a, a W, but yeah, I would not be surprised to see a lot of green in that stadium. Um, or to, you know, when you hear the TV and you're listening to the game and you hear the swings, you think, Oh, it's a road game. So the crowd cheering, sometimes it could be the opposite way, especially with some of these California teams. So I know Vegas isn't in California, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they're um, coming from Oakland. So yeah, I, I really think I really think the Eagles will have a good showing out there, and I think it's really going to be in our favor. I think I think we're going to feed off it this Sunday. I really do. So I'm, I'm feeling a little optimistic. I certainly hope so. Uh, we all were pretty optimistic that the Raiders were going to take a pretty steep d- decline after the uh, John Gruden whole debacle, and they they came out last week and looked pretty incredible. The final score really wasn't even uh, indicative of how one-sided that game was. The Raiders came out there looking very sharp. They promoted their special teams coordinator to their interim head coach, and people thought maybe it would just be the rest of the year decline for him. But they kind of shut up that narrative pretty quick with a very impressive outing. I've always been pretty high on Derek Carr. He's gotten a, a bad rap. I think with Gruden out, that might actually really solidify him as their quarterback for the foreseeable future because uh, i know the only thing that really was throwing those rumors out there was the fact that people said that gruden wasn't a huge huge fan of him but i think the rest of the organization is he's pretty talented they have relatively decent weapons hunter renfro third and renfro obviously is is having a good year henry ruggs is silently on a 1000 plus yard pace so Josh Jacobs is not someone to scoff at. Again, I haven't been as high, as high on him as a lot of people have been. Uh, I think his last year Pro Bowl nod was an absolute joke. Uh, but he's still a talented running back. I know he's been nicked up most of the year. But anybody against our defense is going to have some career games, that's for sure, at least in the running category. So there's definitely still some things to scare you. Yeah, the Raiders actually did that whole thing we were kind of touching about with the Sixers earlier was that rally around each other thing. Everybody mm-hmm. stepping up, you know, ton of drama surrounding their team with John Gruden news, um, the coaching changes that have been being made there and everything. The attention on them wasn't anywhere where it needed to be. This was middle of the week. This was they had a football game they had to prepare for all this stuff. So the way they responded and beat a divisional opponent that bad shows that they were just like, hey. We're all together on this. And some of the weapons you named, you know, Henry Ruggs is finally becoming one of the best deep threats in the, in the NFL. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even mention their number one weapon. Darren Waller. Yeah. Yeah. You you go ahead with that one. Yeah. Darren Waller is somebody that I think is going to give us fits. uh, Specifically, if we have, we're deep at linebacker. (laughs) If we have any of our deep linebackers on him, I mean, this guy's a physical freak, you know, he's, he's tall, great hands can run good routes. He's strong at the point of attack. Um, he's Eric just Wilson's going to be on him with maybe Anthony Harris over top. I'll be honest. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent in love with the Raiders offensive line. I do think we have an advantage there within the trenches. So 
I am hoping that we can get Derek Carr with a little bit of happy feet. The way game with a four man rush all game long, aside from maybe three plays, I'm not optimistic. I'm not optimistic either, and I'm hoping he mixes it up a little bit. But I will say this the Raiders, I think Derek Carr has the best QBR in deep balls this year. Um, and Henry Ruggs obviously have laid his hitting and connecting on the deep ball. We do not give up the deep ball, we play that two deep shell, and we'll give you anything underneath, but not the deep ball. So I'm hoping. Some interior pressure leads to some forced deep ball passes where we're already there. You saw we had an interception of Brady where I think Brady just kind of got greedy. He was like, hey, this is my oh, 100%. deep ball. I'm throwing it anyway. We had 25 guys back there waiting for that deep ball throw. He easily could have checked it down underneath. But I'm just hoping that Derek Carr kind of falls into that mold. Um, if we stop the run and Josh Jacobs, so I don't think especially like you were talking about, um, and force him into third and – eight, third and seven, third and nine, ten situations, I think we have a good chance of winning this game because, again, I'm not too worried about their defense. I think this game actually matches up pretty well for us. It could. Like like you touched on, the, the big thing that scares me is obviously the tight end. Um, he's, he's way too big for to put like a Maddox on, who, who is silently having a very good year. Very good. Um, he played well against the Bucks too. Oh, yeah. No, Vontae Maddox has been shutting me up pretty quick. I wasn't huge at – anti-matics i just wasn't I, I was saying he needs to be exactly where he's at he needs to be a slot corner and he's doing that and he's filling that role very well um but guys like i don't even know who you'd have out there eric wilson alex singleton davion taylor throw in anybody here or there you're gonna Davion have taylor to. did see more reps than eric wilson last game though he did. And i think you're gonna see that trend continue as long as he stays healthy as it should yeah you have to as it should yeah I mean, we 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 have we've seen in a small sample size Eric Wilson not really do anything. Yes, he had an interception to Pat Mahomes, but Pat was under pressure and literally threw it right. Yeah, he to threw him. it in his lap. He, yeah, threw it right to him. So, granted, he caught the ball. I give him that. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, and coverage and run support and just you know filling the holes, understanding the scheme, where to be at in the zone, etc. His tackling has been really bad. Davion Taylor is an athletic guy who tested crazy at the combine. He's very raw, but if you're going to be making mistakes as a veteran, I'd rather have my young athletic freak make the same mistakes mm-hmm. you're going to make so that he can mold himself, learn from him, and get better. That veteran ain't getting any better. In no, the closest game. thing we saw to Davion Taylor in recent Eagles history is Michael Kendricks. Both athletic Great. freaks. Both came in relatively raw. And you know, before he decided to go and, and screw the IRS, he was a pretty good, pretty good linebacker. Absolutely. I think he was very, very extremely underrated. Um, somebody who never really got his just due and credit. Um, I think a lot of times people look at linebackers as just Ray Lewis, as a guy who's going to blitz the A-gap and hit your quarterback and flex and do a dance, and that's how you gauge whether a linebacker is good or not. But a lot of times it's the things they don't do. And I'm going to hearken this back to a guy that we loved in Philadelphia, the axe man, Jeremiah Trotter. Jeremiah Trotter, a lot of times, back when football would use a fullback, would blow up the fullback in the hole or blow up the pulling guard so that someone else could make the tackle. Oh yeah. This is smart football. This is aggressive. Yeah, he was all about he was all about just having the play made, not making the play. Absolutely. So if I take the fullback out on this lead play, now all of a sudden my guy comes clean one-on-one with the running back in the backfield. Or if I take this pulling guard out, they they use the term jump on a grenade. If I'm jumping on this grenade right here, the rest of my guys are clean. So that's what he would do. And that's smart linebacker play. A lot of times you have to operate within the team, within the system, 
to accomplish this goal. And I feel like a lot of times these Eagles linebackers let the offensive line and the other team dictate what they do instead of being the ones to dictate it. So that'll be something to see if Davion Taylor can use his athleticism in that regard to reading plays, being in his keys, and freeing up other guys as well. Yeah, that'd be incredible. And it'd be it'd be something that I, I wouldn't expect from him, especially, like you said, as raw he, as he is. But it'd be something that would really fill me with some optimism for this position, which we haven't had in a long time. And I'm still you know, even saying that, not optimistic. What about, real quick, touching on the Axman, what about his son being one of the high, most highly touted linebackers in college? Who's Jeremiah this? Trotter Jr. Oh, I heard about him. I haven't seen too much he, of what he's doing. He came doing out of later. high school. He's a he's a freshman now. Uh, I believe he's playing for Clemson. Uh, came out of high school as the number one linebacker recruit in the nation. Uh, so, Obviously, somebody to keep an eye on. Maybe a little family reunion here in Philadelphia in a couple of years if we ever uh, decide to value that position. Who knows? Hey, Jalen Rager's dad played for the Eagles for a little bit of a stint. So, hey, let's, exactly. keep, the, uh, let's keep the tradition going. Exactly. Speaking of Jalen Rager and the offense, who are some players to watch for you for this game? Because I have one, and you're probably going to say it because every time I let you lead off, you take the one I'm going to say. But go ahead and give me some of the players that you have on the offensive side of the ball that you want to keep a close eye on. I have three of them. Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders. Okay, um, good. Mine wasn't that. <laughs> are my three guys to watch. Only because I think we got to see a little bit of a glimpse in the second half of that Bucks game what we can do when we run the ball more. And Yeah, and you've heard Shane Steichen this week and Nick Zirani both really harp on we need to get him more involved. Go on. Absolutely. Please. Absolutely. And you could see the talent. Does, does Miles bounce it sometimes too much when the hole is there? He could get maybe – three to four yards and he thinks he can get nine, but instead gets two. Yeah, that happens. That's going to happen with a dynamic back. Guys like Saquon Barkley do that all the time. It's boomer bust sometimes. And I think Miles needs to take the easy yards sometimes instead of always looking for the home run. But I will say this. For Eagles fans listening to this podcast right now, I know you think it's always on Steichen or Sirianni that we're not running the ball to Miles Sanders. A lot of these plays are built-in reads to Miles Sanders, and Jalen Hurts is keeping it on the RPO run-pass option because of what he sees, and he's making that pop pass or he's making that throw, or he's keeping it himself and running. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these are built-in runs to Miles, but the option is being left to make the quarterback's understanding. So do I think we'll see a little bit more traditional runs? Yes, I do. But I also think that Miles is going to get a little bit more involved in the game earlier so that then we can open up the playbook. I know there's a lot of other guys I can name. Um, shout out to Zach Ertz who's leaving. So Dallas Goddard might be somebody in the game. But Miles Sanders is my guy. Don't, don't talk too much about Dallas Goddard. I'm no, I, I know it's all your guy. <laughs> Miles Sanders is my pick who I want to have the spotlight on for this game. And I think finally we're going to get over that 12-carry barrier and a touchdown. The 12-carry barrier, I'll tell you. Isn't that but, sad uh, that that's where the, the benchmark is? 12 exactly. Exactly. I, I still think that they need to run the draw play a little bit. Still think that's a, that's a strong play, uh, completely underutilized. I don't know. Uh, but you touched on my player in Dallas Goddard. I listened to Nick Sirianni's press conference last week, and he or right after the, the Zach Ertz trade, and he was asked a lot about, you know, what's that tight end room going to look like and all, and he did not hesitate and then continually – you know, reiterate the fact that he's like Dallas Goddard is the guy that like Dallas Goddard is. If you look at him and Zachary stats combined, you have an incredible tight end 
and I see him getting a bulk of those looks now, and he's going to have that stat line of what their both of their stats combined were is going to be his carrying throughout the rest of the season. He is that talented. He is that good. Like he he said it time and time again. Dallas Goddard to your man. It's like he was saying, "Hey, anybody that has him in fantasy, I got you." Like he he made it very clear. Dallas Goddard is about to be a guy that's going to be getting a lot of targets, and you need to see that. You've seen in pretty much every game at least one pass where he gets 20, 30 yards, and you're like, okay, great. You've even seen a couple games where it's like in back-to-back or every other play for like two, two, three plays where he's picking up big chunks, and then he doesn't get a target the rest of the game. So I'm hoping that they're going to make a lot of adjustments. The the big adjustment is that 12-carry Barry, like we just talked about, breaking that barrier for 12 carries. Another one is getting Dallas Goddard more involved. He is very talented. He's He's showing glimpses of having similar skill traits in running routes and having that speed and looseness as Zach Ertz, and he still has that blocking capability. He's like that hybrid Brent Salek Zach Ertz. Not, I'm not going to go calling him a hybrid that because that would then solidify him as the greatest tight end of all time because you know Brent Salek best blocking. Anyway, <laughs> he's and, still and very you, talented. You make a good point, Jake. And one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, because you bring up a great player, and that's Dallas Goddard. No disrespect to Zach Ertz whatsoever because we will not disrespect an Eagles legend here. Zach Ertz, absolute legend. But there isn't a play, route, scheme, or anything that Zach Ertz did that Dallas Goddard cannot do. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of a play way to say that. Yeah. There's nothing that he can't do, and he's more physical and athletic. Now, Zach Ertz is great in his own right, and we're not bashing him, but I think you can – critique someone and still respect them. So that's what we're doing here with Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard is a physical specimen. Like you see him breaking multiple tackles, dragging people into the end zone with him, mossing people, running for a perfectly executed, you know, swim move that gets called offensive pass interference. I saw that hop up on the timeline the other day and it still Mm -hmm, made me angry. mm -hmm. And by the way, Cleet Blakeman, who made that call is going to be the referee this Sunday for the Raiders game. Those Same game that, that we had the ball and held it up to the stands, and it was called inconclusive. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys ball. <laughs> We're not that bitter game. at all about that. But yeah, only, only one of the worst officiated games in NFL history. One thing I, I want Eagles fans to, to look for, too, is this Raiders defense is very, very similar to the Jim Schwartz defense that the Eagles had been running uh, for quite so many years. And what I mean by that, it's a cover three heavy scheme. And if you remember during the Jim Schwartz era, we were very, very bad at covering tight ends. Very bad at covering tight ends. Some of that was due to the personnel, but some of that was also due to the heavy cover three scheme. In the cover three scheme, what they like to do is they like to bring one safety down into the box and have the other one be high with the corners back. But when you go into a man defense in this cover three scheme, you leave a linebacker on an island with a tight end. A guy like Dallas Goddard, will destroy a linebacker, especially the linebacker play that we've been seeing with the Raiders, which is really, really bad. So I think that Jalen Hurts needs to utilize the middle of the field a little bit more than he has. He's actually the last ranked quarterback among qualified starters in percentage of throws going across the middle in an intermediate range. So if this wants to be the breakout game for him across the middle and Dallas Goddard to come back without Zach Kurtz, and based on the style and format and scheme that the Raiders play their defense, I can't think of a better game for all those things to come into play than this one here. No, really can't. And, and that kind of previews our, 
our new segment, not this episode, but coming up shortly with Coach Joey's Corner, where we might get into a little bit of the All-22s. We will. We'll break it down for you. Breaking it down. And with that being said, if you see any plays uh, that, you, that you're watching in this Sunday's game that you really want, you kind of questioned or or you hear nationally catching some flack and you want a true expert's opinion rather than just some talking heads, send it to us. Well, even if it's not the tape of the play, just send us the play or the time of the game and a quick description. And if it's something that we feel is worth breaking down, we'll we'll feature it in the next episode where old Coach Joey goes under the under the hood and he'll uh, he'll break down the X's and O's for you, just like he did right there. Um, but I'm and hoping we'll see a lot more over the middle. I'll be honest, Jake. People are constantly learning. I'm constantly learning too. And one thing that people need to be taught is there's not just watching film. There's how to watch film. So you may think you have a still shot of someone being open from the all 22 angle, but you have to look at the angle of where the quarterback is when the play breaks down, when that guy is open and the design concept of the play based on the blocking scheme. So we could break that down. We're going to be putting out videos, kind of breaking down things for Eagles fans that will help us learn. It'll help me learn along the way. It'll help you learn. We'll all ask questions. We'll be collaborative and learn about it. But just because you see a guy open on the all 22 or on a, a still shot that you took with your phone does not mean he was open in the context of the play at that time. So we'll be getting to all of it. We'll be getting in the coach's corner. We'll be doing all that stuff, guys. We just want to break down and see what we can do to, to talk about how this Eagles team can get better. And I think they will. I think they will too. You, you see a lot of different groups rating the Eagles as a top three easiest schedule remaining. Uh, so I'm interested to see how Sirianni responds to some lesser competition, how obviously Jalen Hurts responds and the, the pro- productivity that they both are able to to do from here on out. I'm still firmly in the corner of giving Hurts every opportunity to succeed I really don't think there's much sense at all in playing Joe Flacco. I do think if the, if Hertz continues to struggle mightily, not saying he has to this point, but if he starts struggling mightily, the only thing that might make a little sense is, you know, Minshew. And I'm not sitting here, don't go saying, oh, talking to him five, saying it's Minshew mania time. But there's really not a whole lot of sense in starting Jalen Hurts if if at that if you're pulling Hurts, it's because the season's already gone. Uh, so then you'd want to put in your only other quarterback that could be considered a prospect now be Gardner Minshew. Um, but we're far from there and I don't want to get off on a, on a min bring in Minshew thing because I, I do want to see how Hertz responds to some worse defenses, to some worse teams in general playing with a lead and, uh, and so on because <laughs> exactly. Cause as we saw in, in week one playing with the lead looked awful damn good and it felt good too. And I'll tell you what, I think the spotlight needs to be more than anything. I know we could talk Hurts. We could talk Sirianni, Sirianni, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. We could talk all this stuff. Jonathan Gannon. I was I know, waiting for it. I, was waiting I know we talk it. about you a lot, but let, let's let's just break it down here really quick. Three of our losses have come up against Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, and Pat Mahomes. I mean, every quarterback ranking you have on the planet would have those guys in your top five quarterbacks. You know? So you could say that, oh, look, we played against three of the – best quarterbacks in the league. Now we have a slate where we're going to be going up against Derek Carr, who's borderline, Jared Goff in the Lions, and then Teddy Bridgewater. Jonathan Gannon, this is your time right now to show me something. This is your time right now to show me, okay, we got past playing three of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. Mm -hmm. We got past guys learning the scheme and, and finally getting into it and understanding and getting in a rhythm. Yeah, 
Now I'm releasing the hounds. Now we have comfortability in this defense. Now I can expand my defensive play calling a little bit more, especially against those three quarterbacks who are average to good. Everybody's good in the NFL, but they're not some of the best in the league. Now's your time to show me something. Make it easier for the offense. So like you said, we can play with a lead. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love it. I, Again, as we said a bunch, I'm not optimistic. Jonathan Gannon's shown me very, very little, little glimpses in the past two weeks of, of competent defensive play, but has shown me overall very little. Defense was really the, the main reason that we were able to come back in the Panthers game and to hold uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks to only – you know what 28 points they scored is is an achievement but you also could watch that game and say that they kind of were were going easy on us if if any team really has in the nfl that game felt like it was far more lopsided than the final score uh, showed so before we get into predictions as always got some over-unders for you again for anybody listening this isn't any kind of vegas over-unders just some things that kind of where i have the game out and starting on the other side of the ball we have Derek Carr rushing yards over or under 10 and a half. I'm going to go over. Yeah. Over. Yeah. I think he, uh, I think he breaks the pocket for one big first down against us on like a third and seven, third and eight um, and scrambles for the first down. He'll get that all on one play. Yeah. No, I, I think if he was to break it, it would be come from a, from a chunk play. Okay. Well, here's, here's yours. Miles Sanders over or under 11 and a half carries over, baby. I told you I'm going, <laughs> I'm going at 12. It's gotta be over 12 this you week. You're a member of the over club today. Yeah. I'm going over for 11 and a half carries because if it's not, um, I'm borderline ready to lose my mind with this. Um, Jalen, just, I mean, put it in his stomach a couple times, man. Let's get that going because the RPO and play action game isn't as effective if Miles isn't running the ball. I mean, nobody believes it. So yeah, just, nobody's gonna bite. It's got to be a, over for my sanity. Yeah, maybe throwing a draw. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> over or under one and a half takeaways from the Eagles' defense and/or special teams. I'm gonna go under. Um, Normally, I'd go point five, but defense has actually been getting some takeaways. They have been. I'm, I'm gonna go under though. Um, I think it might be a boring game from them from a turnover standpoint, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad game from the defense. Um, Derek Carr <clears throat> is one of those throw it away guys where if the pressure is immediately in his face, I'm chucking it out of bounds. I don't care if it's third and one. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I will go under on that. Yeah. As long as we don't have quarterbacks throwing it out of bounds on fourth and one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the last one from me is going to be the old, the old tried and true uh, over or under five and a half receptions for Devontae Smith. I will go under for that one just because of your pick earlier in the show of Dallas Goddard being emphasized a little bit more. Yeah. And the only reason I didn't have a Dallas Goddard over under was I feel, I feel as though it's going to go that way, but with him just today coming off the COVID list, I'm not a hundred percent positive on, on how I feel about how involved he's going to be. So he he wasn't DNP today at practice, but I saw clips and and stuff of him running routes on the side of the field. So he did not participate in the team practice, but he was was running around in full pads doing all that stuff. So I think he's going to be good to go. Yeah. No, I think he's going to play. I just, I'm 
you know, his little voice just keeping me concerned of his total involvement, but I certainly hope he's a hundred percent go and that he's going to really take a bulk of that work. So you got any for me before we go into predictions? Yeah, I'm going to go over under four and a half catches for Darren Waller. Over. Over? Okay. Over or under 85 yards. I'm sorry, over or under 80 yards for Henry Ruggs. I'm going to go under. Like he, like he touched on, we we aren't giving up the deep ball, and he's he's occasionally shown the ability to really catch it and stride across the middle and make something happen. But – yeah, I'm going to go under, and I, if especially if Slay is on him for any kind of majority of the game. Beautiful. And then lastly. I think well under. Well under, really? Okay. Yeah, I think like he's going to be in the 35 to 50 range. That would be beautiful. And then over or under uh, one and a half sacks for the defensive line, our defensive line. I'll go over. Most of them coming late. Okay. Excellent. I think I, I think we might have the lead, and they're going to be pressing, and we uh, we end up getting some big clutch sacks to keep the clock running late in the game. Fourth quarter sacks are normally a good indication for your team if that's happening. So exactly. I I hope you hit on that as well for our sake. Oh yeah. So what do you think in prediction? Uh, we both so. had this game as a win, I believe. Preseason. I'm I'm going with the Eagles in a win. Yes. Um, I'm going to go 27-24 Eagles. Um, this isn't going to, even though I'm calling my boy, Jake Elliott, let's go. Even though, even though, um, I have them winning by three, I do not have Jake Elliott kicking the game winning field goal. I think this is a game where we're up in the fourth quarter, 27 to, um, you know, 16 and they score a late field goal or they score a late touchdown at the end. Um, you know, and we still hold on to the lead, the three-point lead because of the lead we have. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm thinking. 27-24. I'm sorry, 27-24 Eagles. All right. I like it. I like it. I I actually think it's going to be a little bit lower of an offensive uh, output. I think a lot of drives on both sides are going to end in field goals. I mean, maybe it's just my infatuation with my boy Jake Elliott. So I called you this morning when we started the show, Jakey Elliott. Exactly. Exactly. So – I'm going to go 23 birds, 17, 23, 17. Jonathan Gannon showing up after being called out on the talking two and five podcast and holding yeah. the 17. I'll tell you, we have a, we have a tendency here. When we call somebody out specifically, they show out. You're Steven, absolutely right. To you, bud. I'm calling you out, Damian Lillard. You will <laughs> not come to Philadelphia. I'm calling you out right. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, man. Well, that was a good one. I like doing a little Philly roundup. Going a little Philly roundup. Let's hope we have a lot more good shows like this to talk about Sixers wins, Flyers wins, Eagles wins. Dare we cap this week off with the trifecta? Oh, I would love a little triple crown. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, so, fingers crossed. Let's hope, boys and girls, you're listening to this, and you know, whenever you, you, you tune in, and and it's going to be a great episode that win next time you hear us. I'll tell you what, first person that tweets to us the tweet triple crown. If the if the Philadelphia teams do that, we got something special for you. We got a special little little giveaway for you. First person that hears this that tweets to us Philadelphia triple crown or triple crown or or anything, three crown emojis. Uh if if they end up pulling it out, we got something special for you. So social media at talking two one five on Twitter, talking two one five podcast on Facebook, and maybe uh next week or something we'll be really pushing 
our Instagram and YouTube a little bit heavier than we have thus far. But those are the two big ones to be following us on. Uh, be sure to share it with any Philadelphia sports fan that you know and love out there. Uh, and with that being said, go Birds, go Flyers, go Sixers.